And tell me, when you look on, on the world and, you know, through the lens of the people that you're seeing coming into Ananda, how do you feel about the world? Are you worried? And I honestly feel this space, um, healing, I, and I, I do want to call it healing, even more than well-being, healing is so important for the world today. Hello, my name is Renee Leith Manos. Welcome to this podcast, Where To From Here? featuring conversations about luxury travel and how it's changing in every pocket of the globe. Hello, my name is Renee Leake Manos. Today, we're going to one of the most mystical locations in the whole world, and it's the Himalayas. The Himalayas goes across five countries, India, China, Nepal, Bhutan, and Pakistan. The mountains have been around for some 40 to 50 million years. They've always attracted creative, successful people. And one of the famous stories is of the Beatles going there and spending a month in an ashram to learn transcendental meditation. And during this time, they're said to have composed some 50 songs that were so inspired by the environment and the people there. Ananda Wellness Retreat is one of the best in the world. It sits at the foot of the Himalayas in Northern India, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It overlooks Rikikesh, which is the founding city of yoga, again, in the whole world. And it sits on a 200 acre spot and in a former palace. So without further ado, I'm just bursting to hear all about this amazing retreat. I would like to welcome Mahesh Nataranjan, who's the Chief Operating Officer. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, Renee, and I'm so excited to be on this really fascinating and amazing podcast where you're covering everything about uh, sustainable luxury travel, uh, how it's growing, uh, how it's changing, and the exciting future of this space. So a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And look, I want to know how Ananda began, because your founder, Ashok Khanna, was certainly well ahead of his time. I mean, right now, wellness is the new luxury. It's the new mandatory trip for everyone to take. So how did it all begin? It's a fascinating journey, which spans more than 25 years from today. Uh, Ashok Khanna, the founder of Ananda, he was actually a third generation hotelier of one of the most prominent luxury hoteliering families in India. He's the grandson of the first Mr. Oberoi, M.S. Oberoi, who founded the Oberoi Hotels and Resorts way back in the early 1900s. Um, and so like everybody else in the family, uh, he grew up dreaming, living, breathing uh, luxury hospitality. And he was actually uh, instrumental in creating many of the iconic uh, Oberoi and associated hotels, uh, which are now so famous across the world uh, and part of this portfolio. So after a lifetime of being part of this whole Oberoi hotel growth story, um, towards the end of that period uh, is when he kind of decided that, okay, this is something that I need to look at for myself and uh, create something new, which is independent. Uh, and at that time, this was the mid-90s, like 1995, something around then when he started ideating on this concept. As you, you can imagine, we were just in the beginning stages of uh, technology. The mm -hmm. internet was really booming at that time. Everybody was starting to discover what it all was. But 
coinciding with all of that, there was also so much of an explosion of um, not only uh, you know a frantic pace of doing things, but also the stress which came with this frantic growth that you saw all around you. And the technology revolutions, everything was kind of leading up to one space where, which is that people were on a race. They didn't know how to stop. And it was, people were unsure about how to balance their lives. Uh, and I think we weren't having that many conversations about this way back then. Today, it's very common, but way back then it wasn't. Somehow this man had, uh, you know, some kind of a uh, vision, a foresight to say, you know, this is not leading up to, you know, all the uh, glory that we're imagining accompanied with all of this is going to be a lot of pain, a lot of uh, difficulty. And there needs to be a way of creating a system to educate people and to guide them on what can be done. And not all of it is going to be done by modern medicine. Uh, You have to have, you have to turn back to the wisdom of the ages to be able to figure out how to address this. And of course, the Ayurvedic medicine and, and indeed just the Eastern medicine has always been so strong in India. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, from uh, in our culture, uh, it's a very well accepted fact from a, from almost four to five thousand years ago. There was always this system of people going away to nature uh, towards the middle part of their lives. And uh, it was actually called one of us where you actually went into a secluded place which is surrounded by nature you started preparing for a time of going within, of leading a healthier life, of connecting more with ancient wisdom, of going deeper through yoga. I mean, this was this was a way of life in India. And, and you said, yeah, I'm, this is so fascinating. And you said middle life. So what age are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, that's kind of shifted over time, hasn't it? With uh, life expectancy going up uh, more and yes. more. But in in those times, like, no, this used to be in the mid 40s or even early, uh, even late 30s, where people used to start taking regular breaks. And I'm not talking about renunciates or, you know, um, sannyasis or people who were just leave everything. I'm talking about people in their leading regular lives, uh, leading family lives. But the thinking was always that, okay, I've spent the first part of my life learning. I've spent the second part of my life being productive uh, in commercial interests and you know whatever I want to do but now gradually I need to spend uh, time following a more spiritual path following a more uh, connected and balanced path with uh, connecting with ancient wisdom and well well-being and that was a very well-established fact of life in India way 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 back so I think when he started thinking about all of this he's he felt there needs to be a way to pass on um, all the wisdom that you can get from Ayurveda and yoga and meditation. But at the same time, he realized that you're, you, you're addressing a very international audience. People don't know how to connect with this instantly. So you need to... But hang on, how, how did he know then? How did he know then that it was going to be internationally successful? I mean, with respect back then, even India was still a mystical place. Well, I mean, it always is, but a yeah. scary place for a lot of Westerners because they think, oh, you know, what, you know, am I going to have to eat vegetarian or whatever? Right, um, you know, back right. then there was, you know, now it's totally different. I think that for, for that part, like, you know, a lot of his, the time that he was spending as somebody who was uh, really... Uh, a key part of the uh, family who was running the Oberoi hotels really helped because we already were starting to see a lot of travelers coming into India, uh, you know, either for business or to explore some very exotic 
parts of India. And uh, yeah. wh- when connecting with all of them, uh, that part really helped him get a very good understanding of what people were saying and how they were resonating with something like this. And he could see that people were kind of at a loss of how to manage their lives. But also, like, you know, just the whole family from his grandfather to his uncles, you know, everybody who's in the business, every, they've always been global travelers. And um, that kind of gave him a sense of uh, perspective on what was happening around the world. And by then, you know, news had started floating around in terms of what was happening in in the in the Bay Area and California and, you know, uh, in, in the tech uh, centers across the world, what was happening on Wall Street. Uh, you know, it was it, the, the pace of life was not new to uh, to uh, anybody sitting in India. So I think the writing was very clear. It's mm. just the way of how to address that was his kind of unique vision. So he said, can, can I just I, ask you, yes. how did it end up in a Maharaja's palace? I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> you know, the search for that was has always been fascinating to me as somebody who heard it from him. Um, I think for the thinking was very clear that it needed to be somewhere away from a city, uh, even in India. Uh, with all the exotic nature of what we have going on in the cities, it had to be somewhere uh, almost spiritual and it had to be very deeply connected with the mountains because the mountains in India have always been a source of energy, uh, spirituality, but also of traditional wisdom. Even today, a lot of the herbs and the uh, roots and minerals which are actually used in Ayurvedic practices come from the region around the Ganges River. Uh, in, in the foothills of this Himalaya. So it was very clear that that's where he wanted to be. But to find the ideal location took him, I think, almost about three to four years. He scoured the wow. entire length and breadth of that region. And um, as chance would have it, uh, his father, who was also uh, ha- had spent a lot of time working with the Oprah Hotels, uh, he happened to have an acquaintance with the uh, current Maharaja's father, and uh, that kind of created a connection. And then when he went and met him, it was just like this was meant to be. Uh, you know, the two minds came together immediately. The Maharaja was very open and receptive to this idea. And at that time, he hadn't even seen the site. Uh, and then when he invited him and when he went across and right now, you, you know, Ananda is a well-developed place over hundreds of acres, like you mentioned. But at that time, it was just one palace. Uh, these mists literally like, you know, just swirling around on a hill overlooking this valley and nothing else. The rest was all jungle. But what he says was the moment he stepped in into those doors of the gateway of the palace, something just struck him like this huge kind of, uh, you know, this uh, almost like a gale force of energy. And he said, this is it. I, I can't think of any other place to do this other than to do it at, another, at, at, right, at that palace estate, which is in a small little hamlet called Narendra Nagar. It's just a one hill, uh, nothing else around it. And below you can see the valley of Rishikesh and the Ganges River flowing through. It was just meant to be. Wow, what a great story. And I've interviewed a number of GMs from the Oberoi and the um, you know, properties. And the Oberoi family has such an amazing reputation. Everyone on the show yeah. talks about how they really care about their staff. They know people's names. They regularly visit the properties. So what was their reaction to their son not doing another Oberoi hotel? <laughs> well, he had done quite a few even uh, prior to stepping out. I mean, uh, this was in his uh, 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 mid-50s when he's actually, late late 50s when he st- stepped out and like created Ananda. So he spent the largest part of his career actually with the Oberoi Hotels. But at that point of time, the Oberoi Hotels was really iconic in creating these uh, 
absolutely gorgeous luxury resorts in places like uh, Jaipur and Agra. And, you know, that was their speciality. Uh, the field of wellness was something absolutely new. So I think everybody really kind of were <clears throat> really excited about this new venture that Ashokana was going down and, and starting to create. And I think there was nothing but the absolute, um, you know, immense support and uh, best wishes for him to go out and do this. And, and in a way, he, was, he really uh, was a pioneer in this field in India uh, when he courageous. stepped out and did this. Yeah, very Quite courageous. courageous. And I have to say, like, you know, the early years weren't, were absolutely not easy. Uh, six months, I mean, this was, we're talking about late 2000s, uh, 2001, and, you know, literally a year, within a year of even soft launching and opening this, uh, there was travel bans all over uh, to this part of the world or any part of the world because of 9-11, uh, uh, right? So it, it, was, it was a very difficult time. And even after that, uh, for the first three to four, five years, it took a lot of education to make people see what really is happening here. Uh, a, India, uh, you know, people have always heard about India being this land of mysticism, ancient well-being and all of that. But then combined with that was a perception of, you know, what is likely, you know, what, what likely experience are we to have there? Uh, you know, will it cater to what, you know, people who are global travelers, are they what they're looking for? Yeah, so yeah. it took a lot of time to educate people saying that here is a, a retreat which is uh, world class in terms of luxury hospitality, uh, which knows how to kind of nurture and take care of people in the way that typical Asian and Indian hospitality can. But at the same time, um, the wellness or the well-being offering is something which borrows from ancient Indian well wisdom, but is also presented in a way that people can actually appreciate and connect with, because that's yeah, an important yeah. part too. But so tell me, um, Mahesh, you've been there 15 years almost. Yeah. What was the turning point? Was it a celebrity coming? Was it a bit of publicity? What actually turned things around? Or was it just a moment in time? Both actually, uh, you're absolutely right. So I think around 2007, 2008, uh, that's, the, that's around the time when I uh, was there, we first started uh, really appearing on uh, these uh, you know, gold stand industry gold standard award lists, uh, mm. saying Ananda has been now rated the number one in the world, or the number within the top three in the world, and I think that you know that's always a big marquee moment, right? Oh. Like for for this independent, uh, you know, uh, at the, you know, family uh, created but like professionally run, but you know, uh, uh, just a one-off. Uh, project somewhere in the foothills of the Himalayas. It's not. It's not like you know uh, the most obvious uh, uh, place. But for that to make it into the, you know, the top of the world, uh, that's always big. And we hit that three times in a row uh, between 2005 to 2008. So that was incredible. But I think also there were some uh, iconic people who, are, who had come down there, uh, and uh, there were uh, you know celebrities who've always been coming to Ananda. But you know that started a its own buzz uh, going through and uh, you know we had a lot of people from the US and the UK and you know all over Europe so that was the those were the initial days um, and then and tell me I, tell me about yeah. Oprah because I know that Oprah <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask that one. King Charles you know you've... yeah yeah she she's been uh, I think like you know the way she experienced Ananda and the way she described it uh, to my mind has been she's always been so beautiful great in expressing what she truly feels about a place but and and in her words uh, they're always iconic but this this one really struck everybody and like you know went to our heart 
So the first time when she came, I actually uh, received a call from her office and saying that she's, uh, she's traveling into India uh, for a festival. Uh, you might have heard of this one. This is the uh, literary festival, which is now pretty famous in Jaipur. Yes. So she was actually coming in for that. And then I got a call from her office saying um, she's in there. She has some time free and she's heard a lot. She's been hearing about uh, this place called Ananda. Uh, she'd like to come in for a couple of days, but she only has a few days. And uh, is that okay? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we'd, we'd love to have her and uh, experience this. So she that's that's how she first experienced Ananda. She came for a very short period at the end of a literary festival. But just in that brief time, she, uh, I think there's something about the atmosphere there, the, uh, the what she connected with, which just went quite deep. And I remember she mentioned very clearly to our uh, general manager at that time, saying that, look, I mean, this is, I've had a great experience, but this time is too short. I feel for Ananda, you really need a much longer visit and I'm going to come back. And true to her word within, I think about the next 18 months, because you know how her schedule is and yes. has always been, uh, she was back and for a full length wellness program. And I was just amazed and taken aback at how deeply connected she became to this philosophy. Um, so firstly, uh, if you've seen any images of Ananda, which some of, a lot of people across the world have seen, almost everybody at Ananda is wearing these uh, you white, know, white cotton right? pajamas yes. that we give most of our, we, we, we give them to all our guests. And it's not like something which we say, okay, you must wear this, but it's just that, you know, it's so comfortable uh, and it's, it's just a disconnection, so fitting. Right? It's, it's a disconnection. You don't have to Absolutely. worry about all of this. You don't have to worry about like what you're wearing. And yeah. in a very uh, more, I guess, like metaphysical way, it's kind of you're shedding your outer layers and you're just becoming your true self. So when she came in, within an hour of her entering Ananda, she was in these white cotton kurta pajamas. And I think, you know, everything which is the outer persona of Oprah that the world knows was just gone there. She was just wow. herself and she did everything. Like, you know, I think she was so deeply connected with yoga, with meditation, with all of the therapies in her program. I mean, she, she really went into that. And I, when she went back, I remember she writing about her experience in uh, the OWN magazine at that time it was called. And she, well, two things she said, like, you know, one was that really coming in here was, it's not a, it wasn't a visit. It was more like a pilgrimage, which just uh, for so many people who've walked, walked into the doors of Ananda and have left, that really rang true in terms of that experience. And the second thing which she said was, uh, you know, only somebody who's experienced that way can say it. She says, every moment spent here is designed to cultivate presence in the very current time. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. Like, you know, the whole concept of yoga and meditation saying, look, you can't control the past. That's done. You, you really can't even predict what's going to happen in the future. The only thing that you can really do is think about being yourself and the, the most of what you can be right here, right now. And I think she just got it. Absolutely. Uh, well, I know that I know that she loves meditation and yoga because I was fortunate enough to work with her yoga teacher in Mumbai oh, okay. um, at one of the hotels there. And um, so, you know, it, it is very genuine. And she's obviously taken it, you know, not just at Ananda, it's actually permeated her life, which is the trick, right? I mean, it's all very well for anyone to come to an incredible wellness retreat like Ananda, but the real talent is taking those skills and that learning yeah. and translating it into the everyday so that you're well all the time. Absolutely. And that's a big part about of what we do. So uh, it's the journey just doesn't end uh, when you complete your stay at Ananda. So uh, 
whether it's a yoga program or a ayurveda teacher who ayurvedic physician who's been guiding you that connection continues well after you leave so um we actually built it into our the whole program delivery when you're there so 15 days after you leave ananda somebody will be in touch with you for a follow on um you know consultation 90 Amazing. days after you're you're there you you have a second follow up consultation because the most you know what you do in those two weeks is very carefully guided and monitored and mm-hmm. of course you're going to feel fantastic you know compared to when you came in but it's like you rightly said it's what you continue to do in your natural setting you know how you eat how you spend those 15 or 20 minutes of conscious mindfulness each day or the wellness practices and it's it's a whole lifestyle right so that has to be guided and we found like any habit what you can actually uh, follow with the first two weeks that's super critical because that's usually a quick reality check of okay like am i able to go back to my home setting and like you know and my city and and follow it and the next big milestone we found in our experiences again at the three month period where again you've been through a whole lot of experiences and if you can sustain that and if you can really get on the right path from then in most cases we found that people are able to really create a big shift in their their lifestyle and wow. their health And what changes are you seeing in the guests coming now? I mean, you know, we're in a very different era in the world. Yeah. People are have been more stressed than ever. You know, it's the great, you know, re- redundancy. Everyone's leaving their jobs. Yeah. What are you seeing in your guests that's different now? And what are they wanting that's different? So, two things. One, it was already building up even before um, you know, the past two years where things slowed down, but um and and because of uh, like covid as a as a as a connection but it i think there was always a huge build up for the past 4 or 5 years that we've seen of stress levels becoming you know just you know endemic into uh, across the globe and no matter where or whether it is somebody who's in a high flying business or entrepreneurs or just homemakers um uh, it doesn't matter where you are and what you're doing like you no know, stress anxiety Uh, a difficulty in kind of a feeling of uh, imbalance uh, which has come into many parts of our society i think this has been uh, what we've been seeing like you know a lot over the over the uh, past few many years and that's playing up a lot you know in people coming into ananda as well so today you might actually um, come in saying that okay i want to work on something physical but then by the time you're into your third or fourth day and when you've had an opportunity to speak to our yogis to speak to uh, our emotional healers uh, which is something unique that ananda does uh, and when you had a chance to have this conversation we're finding that the stress levels are huge and people deep down there's like so many things which are repressed and they're not able to express it and when that comes out there's really deep healing so i think one of the biggest changes that we're seeing uh, both in the way people are coming to us but also in terms of what we're able to achieve at ananda is really address these deep rooted blockages which are in all of us uh and once you address these deep rooted blockages which are more on the emotional and mental side then the physical transformation is even more powerful so i think that's a big shift in the whole well-being aspect that we're seeing the other interesting change um and this is a change uh, which we welcome is that i think people in general are becoming more conscious uh, and more mature in the way they are addressing well-being 10 years ago uh, 15 years ago when i started in this space um, a big part of the people who were coming in were 
didn't really have a goal didn't mm-hmm. didn't really think that they were coming in to you know uh, either change something or for a big transformation or a big shift they were it it was more likely a feel good uh, kind of a, a, a reason right and which is also good i mean which yeah, everybody yeah. needs to take time off and like you know and dis- and disconnect and feel good but today that that is becoming more and more purposive um people want a specific outcome they want to know more about what they are actually feeling why they are feeling that uh what we are doing to actually make a change how that intervention is really going to impact their lives and then finally what are they going to uh achieve as, uh, within not just two weeks but within a six months period or a year period or on on a more sustainable basis so that interest in being uh, more knowledgeable getting more educated and but also being more demanding in terms of what they want to achieve that's a big change which i didn't see that's many right. years ago and i think that's, that's great really because that's that's the direction that uh, really um, you know purpose of wellbeing should be moving towards and tell me when you look on on the world and you know through the lens of the people that you're seeing coming into ananda how do you feel about the world are you worried um i you know i my view of the world is has always been and i think now even more so because of the way people are turning towards the space i would only say is even more positive i i think we're moving into a very good space because this was not available to people uh, many years ago and they just didn't have the mindset to even adopt things like this yeah. um having said that i think there are some niggling concerns in terms of how uh fads and uh you know uh, trends just like you know race uh around the you know every year trying to catch up with each other and sure that will always happen but uh, i think it's important for people to kind of always be on the search for uh, long term authenticity and sustainability in this field um it, it, there's there's something which uh, in in this age of just increasing amount of uh, what's available online and with technology uh, it's easy to just move from one super thing and super cool thing to the other and just be led by too much information uh, yeah. but i but on the other hand i think people are now the the serious seekers uh, i feel very positive about that because they're actually always looking for you know the truth it's uh, it's it's not just one thing which will sway them and if we if we look at that side of things i i feel positive uh, and i yeah. and i honestly feel this space um healing I, and i i do want to call it healing even more than well being healing is so important for the world today um and so and i was going to i was going to say yeah. if the people who are not at ananda and obviously yeah. that's the ultimate is to be there yeah. um how do you go about healing yourself oh by just educating yourself more in terms of you know just such just simple truths about what is out there uh, if you if you connect with this kind of ancient wisdom and we we actually do a lot to try and propagate that as well like you know whether it's on our social media or or just things that we do to get experts at ananda to speak about various topics and we've done so many different uh, you know uh, talk series about various issues that people are facing today whether it is physical chronic lifestyle uh, aspects or mental issues or emotional or just a seeking of spiritual knowledge the first step is just educate yourself a lot more and um, there's so much out there on youtube and everywhere right that you oh can yeah absolutely access. and but i it's think free. everybody it's needs free. yeah and everybody needs to you need to develop 
a framework for yourself that you can follow, which is consistent. And you need to see the logic of that. You need to test things out and see what is working for you. The the thing which, you know, which is more of a concern for me most often is that people tend to think that there are like these super fixes, which are one size fits all, and there's no such thing. Uh, yeah. Each each of us is so individual. And so we need to keep experimenting and we need to keep going in there and finding out what is it that works for us. And the knowledge yeah. is out there. So I, I always say, you know, for, uh, that by the, today, everybody should be actually spending some part of their day, some part of their life thinking about themselves. Uh, I think that's a, that's a very important thing because, and, and I'm not saying this from a selfish point of view, mm-hmm. uh, uh, more and more, uh, even at Ananda, I found that when you do get yourself in a better place physically, mentally, and emotionally, you actually, that's a great foundation for you to start thinking about others. Um, and that's a very good way of thinking about thinking about this whole aspect of well-being, right? Because otherwise, you can get stuck in that idea that, okay, thinking about you being well is just about you. What about others? But I, I truly think that if you're in a better place, you're going to take, you're going to think of, start thinking about others as well. And yeah, that's totally what the world And tell me, before we go, what are three things that would surprise me about Ananda? Ah, um, okay, this is, I'm going to, in no particular order, people always think, and you might have this idea too, that coming into a wellness retreat, you're going to be dining on a piece of carrot and lettuce on a plate. (laughs) (laughs) And that's absolutely not true. Um, over these past 20 years, what we've done is being able to apply the principles of Ayurveda and uh, healthy cuisine uh, to literally anything across the world. Uh, it's it, Healthy food can be absolutely delicious, uh, mindful, and the, the most incredible experience. And that's what most of our clients just go out uh, just absolutely amazed with. The, the, the whole culinary experience of what healthy cuisine can be because the concept is not to deprive yourself. There is no, uh, you know, taking away of anything. It's just about being conscious about, okay, this is you, this is your body type. uh, And that's a whole different conversation as far as Ayurveda is concerned. But uh, once you know who you are and once you know what your basic, uh, what your bio energies are, then all you need to do is turn the food that you're eating, the ingredients, the cooking styles, the seasonality of what you're doing, and just make sure that that's working for you and take away things which are not working. But within that, you have the entire array of cuisines from across the world and the things that you like to really make it uh, work for you. So I think that's going to be like, you know, one big, big surprise. Um, The second, the second thing is again, uh, at this level of what we offer, uh, sometimes people have an impression that the more traditional, the really uh, very ancient ways of well-being can be um, is it may not be um, kind of something which is a, a pleasure to go through. Um, but I can tell you that if you've not tried a truly traditional Ayurvedic full-body uh, massage therapy. Um, you, you, you're missing out something in life. Um, yeah, I agree. They're wonderful. <laughs> there, there's, there's a quintessential um, therapy that we do, uh, which is a classic Ayurvedic therapy. Of course, we blend in different oils and spices, but there's something called a, a bhyanga, which is actually a forehand therapy. It's actually done by two therapists on either side of you. And they have a level of synchronization 
so because which is every stroke from is a smooth uh, flow from fingertip to toe wow. in, and you and you don't actually lift your fing- hands away from your body and it's so synchronized that within 5 minutes you don't even realize that there's two people working on you um you it when when ayurveda says that you know therapies in ayurveda are meant to take you back into a very early stage in your life literally sometimes to feeling like a cocoon inside the womb and that's exactly how it feels uh, so nobody who comes in and actually tries out an ayurvedic therapy of this kind will uh, ever forget this experience i think that's something that will truly truly be a surprise and yeah. i think the final one uh, if i had to say is that this region has so much to offer um, yeah. that's going to be an absolute surprise that many people don't know about uh, of course there's so much to do within ananda and you're going through a wellness program and you're under the expertise of uh, all these um, ayurvedic physicians and yogis and nutritionists and emotional healers but the region is one of the most ancient in india but it's also some of the most exciting so you can think about going out on treks go up on top of some of the ridges where you see on some clear days you'll see seven different peaks of the himalayan mountains it's just spectacular wow. uh and then the ganges river which is which everybody thinks about as more the spiritual nature of what the ganges is supposed to represent one of the holiest rivers in india but did you know that if you go upstream on the ganges just about yeah. half hour one hour from where we are it's some of the best white water rafting reach wow. sections in the world fantastic you know? yeah so that's like there's a whole lot of adventure sport that you can come in and do and and a lot of our guests actually mix the two of them they they would keep some time for the wellness activities and then go out and do adventure you can go oh. into some of the caves where people 3000 years ago have sat and meditated for like you no know, decades you know there's there's just such a wide variety of things you can go into a national park where you see about 400 different types of local himalayan bird life where you can't see in any other part of the world so i think it's just a fascinating experience and oh, uh, i i believe that all of that is uh, well being and healing in a way wow look it's wonderful i could sit and talk to you all day i'm really obsessed with the himalayas as i said i think it's i've got a calling so many people keep coming on the show and that's what led us to you is that mark sands who used to work yes. there who's yes. now the head of wellness for um, success right. he said you yeah. have to go to the himalayas and i'm like oh, oh absolutely <laughs> And Mark is but, Mark is somebody who who I think his heart is always connected to the Himalayas and yes, uh, with his was, wife, he married yes. a woman. Yeah, that's right. So he was uh, he uh, he's a great guy and like you know he I just we, uh, you know we always treasure the time that he spent there. And I think that's something that people you once you've crossed into this region and uh, the time that he spent at Ananda, we it's it's a community and yes. uh, we're always connected with everybody out here. Yeah, no wonderful. So look, we we are going to go but before we go, where to from here for an Amanda? This brand has been so incredibly successful. Are you going to take it global or what are the plans? Yes, they are. Uh so one of the things that we uh, have always thought about is when the time is right, uh Ananda will be ready to uh, cross the shores and uh go uh into other destinations. Mm-hmm. But it it was something which we were very conscious of that we didn't want to do in a hurry because Right. it's not just the physical uh product uh there is so many different things which go towards making what we believe is an ananda uh mm-hmm. of course the uh, the place where we are in today has an innate spirituality which is coming up from like you said rishikesh the land where where yoga began the land where ayurveda as well like you know started from here so that right. is a big part of who we are uh and the people and the culture and everything and we wanted so anywhere else we go 
has to have, obviously we'll not have the exact same replica of things, but it'll have to have something special to bring that spirit of a future Ananda. Uh, but having said that, there are beautiful places across the earth, uh, very pristine, still untouched, untapped, and we will, we are definitely on the lookout for some very uh, virgin and interesting uh, locations. Um, in, in, at a very broad uh, uh, perspective, like, you know, uh, areas, you know, further east uh, are interesting, uh, but we will also look at some places which are in closer proximity to uh, locations where our, a, a lot of our international travelers come in from, which is Europeans in, in America. So, uh, yeah, uh, like, like they say, watch out for that space. And uh, uh, soon, hopefully, we will have uh, the first Ananda, which is out of uh, the Indian shores. Wow, so exciting. Well, thank you so much. And I just My think pleasure. it's wonderful what Ananda brings to the world. And um, as I said, I hope to see you there and um, take care. And I'm sure that this year will be a boom. There'll be so many people coming, looking for that spirituality and looking for wellness and to make their life better. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's been a pleasure, Renee, to be on, on this podcast with you. And uh, like I said, we'd love to have you come in and uh, experience uh, this region and Ananda uh, by yourself. I think that's, that'll be the, the most wonderful way of uh, uh, seeing this and experiencing everything that we have to offer. And By I yourself, I, did you say it? You think it's important to do the journey on your own? Is that what you're saying? There's many different ways of doing it. Um, yeah. We have people who are uh, coming solo um, uh, as couples. We also have a lot of people traveling as small groups or with friends or mother, daughter. And, you know, there's so many different ways of exploring it. So I, I leave that to you to figure out which one. But <laughs> I have to say, like, you know, for some of the deeper experiences at Ananda, I think by yourself is a very important thing because like we're saying, like the, the whole, the, the, the basic fundamental nature of what we're trying to do is for you to go in within yourself at least a little bit. That self-discovery is a very important part of what we're doing here. Brilliant. Sounds amazing. I will come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll see you <laughs> well, there thank soon. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Till right, that thanks again. so much. Namaskar, as we say. Take care. <laughs> thank Bye. You. Thank you. Bye, Renee. Don't forget to subscribe here and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for regular travel updates. You can also hear our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.